Hey everybody, Chris here. You may know us these days as the Personal Injury Mastermind, but you've discovered our roots when we first started as the Rankings Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Over the years and hundreds of episodes, we've expanded our reach while staying true to our mission. We help you and your firm dominate the competition with insights from some of the best in the legal industry. You may notice that these older episodes sound a bit different. That's because we also embrace change and growth. I hope you enjoy this episode from the vaults and listen to a few of our newer episodes while you're at it. Thanks for being here. Let's begin. As a professional coach, if I'm being completely honest, it's really tough to nail any kind of implementation, no matter what field yourself, if you're a participant while on a learning curve. There are plenty of methods and resources out there that tell you how to run a law firm. But learning about these systems and actually implementing them are two entirely different things. And that's where my guest today comes in. I don't want to dissuade anyone from starting to self-implement. If you start self-implementing, you're way ahead of the competition. But I think a big pitfall to avoid would be thinking that you are going to get to 100%. You're listening to the Rankings Podcast, the show where top marketers and elite personal injury attorneys share their stories about getting to the top and what keeps them there. My guest today is James Ashcroft, entrepreneur, Ironman, and EOS coach. As a coach, James works with businesses to implement the entrepreneurial operating system, helping them to establish their vision, gain traction, and keep their company healthy. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. SEO is all about the first page, and that's also where we like to start our show. Here's EOS coach James Ashcroft. Going back uh, pre-2012, I think I was a lot of lot like other entrepreneurs, just running like a chicken with its head cut off a bit and not taking care of some of the priorities in my life. And one of those was health. Uh, I was about 40 pounds heavier than I am right now. and just got to a point where I had to say to myself, like, what are some of my priorities? What are some of my goals? And what do I need to fix in my life? So uh, I started this journey where I quit drinking alcohol, started taking care of my health, started reading more, which was a big one. And then I decided to really challenge myself. And um, I was heavily inspired by an author named Rich Roll, reading all about these triathlons and all this crazy stuff this recovering alcoholic was doing. And uh, woke up one day basically and said, I'm going to do something absolutely crazy. And I signed up for a half Ironman. Um, that was about four months away. And I'd ridden my bike. I had a road bike and I ran, uh, rode my bike with some buddies in Florida. But then I decided I was going to start taking up running. And after the first night of running up my street, huffing and puffing and almost having a coronary, I was like, I've got a long way to go here. But I did it. I, I, I trained and I ran and incrementally improved. And about four months later, I crossed the um, Ironman, well, half Ironman finish line in Miami, where I was living at the time. And um, it kind of kicked off this readjustment, this mental readjustment saying, hmm, maybe my limitations are all in my head. So I decided um, after that to sign up for a full Ironman. And in the end of 2013, I ended up crossing that finish line. And uh, it's, I haven't looked back since. That's incredible. And I think it's who you are has changed, right? So now you're an athlete, you run, you're a runner, 
And so now it's, it's part of your life. I, I imagine when you first put that deadline in the calendar, you're probably scared as hell, you know, especially after that first run, but you know, that, that shows incredible resilience and that's, that's amazing. You know, how did that affect, and I wasn't going to go this direction, but how did that affect your mindset and your, you as a business professional after you made kind of these lifestyle changes? Well, the biggest thing I mentioned it before was was hiring a coach, right? It was such a big challenge for me to take on. I really had no choice. So two and a half, two point four mile swim, ocean swim, one hundred and twelve mile bike ride, and then a full marathon, twenty six point two miles. Right? It seems so big and out of my wheelhouse. I um, actually thought about these amazing words that the, the great coach Jack Daly said. He always says, model the masters, right? Go find someone who's done what you want to do and just model them, right? And so I found a coach who was a professional triathlete who had done countless Ironman races. And I said, hey, listen, I'm willing to do the work. Can you just design the plans? Can you build the framework for me to succeed, right? And so when I look back on that, that was the hack. That was the plan for me to do this and really open up my eyes to getting a coach in any aspect of my life. And then when I say coach, I also just mean mentors, like being around the right people, like masterminds are great. And you truly do want to be the dumbest guy in the room, right? And it elevates your game. So whether it's a one-on-one coach for Ironman, whether it's a one-on-one coach, you know, for your business, just having that wisdom on your team is just invaluable. So that was my big takeaway. So I started incorporating coaches into all aspects of my life, right? And mentors, I think it's really important to have mentors, even physical mentors, like relationships you have. And then also I call them virtual mentors, right? Maybe they don't even know that they're your mentor, but it's just like getting their thinking inside your head and saying, what would this person do in this situation? And then leaning into that has just been incredibly valuable. And that really kind of started my journey into coaching. Yeah. So you know, there's so many takeaways there. And I always think of, of, of myself, like when I started, you know, working with you and I was like, how can I apply this to my personal life? And I would make excuses up to not go to the gym. But when I got a personal trainer, I don't miss meetings. Right. So I don't miss meetings and I don't want to let them down. So it's, it's holds you accountable. It's a, I've never had that situation where you had to force me to work because I really truly enjoy and love business. But uh, for me, the personal, the, the health side. So it seems very interesting. You know, you got the running, the triathlon coach and uh, I see some to, to extreme less degree, but it's, it's really helping me a lot as well. So just to have that accountability, me personally, on a personal note, I need accountability. Uh, I tend to wiggle out of things unless I have that structure. So I know that about myself, right? If I have a challenge, I need an accountability partner, a coach. I just think that's very important and highly underrated, to be honest with you. Completely agree. And let's kind of let's kind of jump ahead. So, you know, now you're you're a certified EOS implementer, and rankings as attraction agency we work with you we work you know we we implement eos and we've had some other eos guests on what first of all drew you to eos specifically and uh if you could just give like a broad just a super broad overview for those listening who aren't aware of eos of what it is 
Yeah, so EOS is a business operating system. It's one of a handful out there, right? It's just a framework to follow proven practical tools and ways of thinking to bring an organization together. And I work with leadership teams, okay? Come together, speak a common language, but most importantly, share the same vision, understand what great people within the organization really means, right? So we have tools that we can then objectively look at what great means, could develop scorecards so we can run the business on a, on a weekly basis using a lot of leading measurables, really manage the business to the measurables, ways to issue, clear, set up processes, have effective meetings. It's, it's, it's just a turnkey framework for businesses. With that understanding of what EOS is, I wanted to hear from James why business owners would need to hire a coach given there are so many resources on the system out there. And I wanted to know what it is that James brings to the table over the other EOS coaches in the world as well. I truly believe, Chris, that the most important thing is chemistry. It's probably not the, the uh, sexiest answer, but it's just me being me, right? Um, I have my own unique experiences, my own take on things, right? And assuming uh, any coach um, has the credentials and has the sessions under their belt, so to speak, and if you're comparing apples to apples in that sense, then the differentiator is just the chemistry between the teams. I'm going to spend a lot of time with you. And as you know, on my objectives for every day, like the number one thing is have fun. Because I truly believe that we should be having fun as entrepreneurs, right? We're building, we get to create for the world, create this value within the world, make an impact and, and work together in these amazing teams. We should be having fun. So I try to bring an element of that to it and just my own experience, you know, and I'm, I'm truly invested in team health. I mean, that, that's the big, I would say, cornerstone of my coaching offering is, is elevating that team health. I put a tremendous emphasis on it because I just enjoy when seeing a great team work together. Um, so it's just, I think me being me and, and I'm not the right implementer for everybody. I know other implementers, very successful implementers who are very tough on the teams that buy the book and put the hammer down. And certain teams are looking for that. When you go out looking for an implementer, you should really be thinking like, what do I want? Do I want someone who's who, who kind of jokes along with the team and kind of fits like the team chemistry in a sense of like being one of the, the team members? Or do I want someone to come in a room and just lay the hammer down? And what do we need as a team? What will benefit right. us? So, so I have my own style and obviously we fit rankings and me fit and my other clients we fit. And, you know, and there are other teams I just wouldn't be a right fit for. So I, I would tell teams to look for that right fit. So I wanted to jump right in and discuss, you know, what are what are some of the particular elements of EOS that businesses regularly find difficult to take action on? I think the hardest part, like pre-bringing in a coach, no matter what operating system you're on or, or how you look at it, it, it's just having those hard conversations, right? When you don't have a facilitator in the room, sometimes it doesn't feel like a lack of a better word, a safe space, right? I mean, I, I probably had two sessions this week where we had very tough conversations that I don't believe would have happened if I wasn't in the room, not because I'm special, but it's because 
I was aware of the situation. They felt accountable to the promise that we made together. And so having that element in the room, having these tough conversations, that clears the debt completely because if they are not, they can sometimes be seeds from cancers within the team, right? So having the hard conversations and developing those um, over time is absolutely critical. And then I I think the other piece is uh, patience, right? I have a lot of teams who just want that they've read the book, go through the first two days and like, come on, come on, come on, let's speed this process up. And I'm specifically talking about visionaries, right? Chris, you can probably relate to this, right? You want everything yesterday, right? (laughs) So my job is to come in there and say, hey, listen, let's let's slow down. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You're literally at mile two of a 26 mile marathon. Let's just slow down. You haven't gotten here overnight. You're not going to fix everything overnight. Slow down. So I think those two, having hard conversations and enabling that safe space for them to have those hard conversations. That's why I repeat every session, open and honest, open and honest. And if you're sitting there kind of biting your tongue, it's an issue in the business. So we need to get that issue on the issues list sooner than later and fix it. Yeah, I completely agree. I also find just from a unique perspective of when you're chairing and someone goes on a tangent, you have the ability to rein them in. When sometimes if I'm chairing our weekly meeting, I feel kind of like an a-hole maybe doing it too frequently, but when it's it's someone else, it's nice to have that just objective third party to kind of rein in and, and guide the meeting as well. The next thing I wanted to talk about, and this has been a real challenge for me, and now it's kind of a pet peeve after you've taught us, you've opened my eyes in regards to core values. And I wanted to kind of hear basically your thoughts and your opinions on individuals selecting core values and and basically your take on it, because I thought it was really unique. And now that you've explained this, I see my I start to identify a lot of aspirational type values when I see them on the web. Could you kind of explain your take on core values? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, this isn't my take. This is uh, Patrick Lencioni has a great article called Make Your Values Mean Something. He dives into all this just beautifully. We all talk about core values in this bucket. And I think most people think they're talking about core values. They're talking about values across the board. Most don't realize there are different types of values. Right. Core values are the cultural cornerstones, the foundation of the soul of an organization. Right. The non-negotiables that never change. There are other types of values, such as permission to play values. Right. Those are the minimal standards of acceptable behavior. Right. So when I hear companies uh, saying, yeah, one of our core values is honesty. It's like, well, isn't that kind of like table stakes? Like we should all be honest. It doesn't really tell us anything. There's also accidental core values. So maybe one of our, you know, so-called core values is fun or cool. You know, you have to ask yourself, is that really who you are? Is that just a product of where you've come from and where you are now? And then um, the third one is this, which you referenced was the aspirational, right? This is who we want to become. We want to be about work-life balance. Well, if you're a company that's not really into work-life balance, you're a hard-charging like PE firm or something, right? That's just aspirational. There's a value there. Maybe you build a strategy around moving to being more work-life balance, right? But it's not like really who you are. So 
I take my clients to a whole core values workshop where we identify all these values. We, you know, use a lot of sticky notes and everyone writes out thinking about the best employees or looking to the person next to them on the leadership team, some of the characteristics they admire in them. And then we kind of filter out using Patrick Lencioni's uh, aspirational, accidental and permission to play values. And it leaves a board of potential core values. And then we dial it in and go through the theme process. And I know you can speak to your own experience going through this too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, going through this experience and, and really identifying our values, what we embodied versus those aspirational. One of the things, even it, it's an ongoing process, right? So we ended up with send and delete, fine as the F word, and then don't be an asshole. But we started thinking about this. Do we really want to wear on a t-shirt, don't be an asshole or fine as the F word? It's kind of the negative so now we're in a process of flipping those to a positive, whether it's something about excellence, more of a positive versus fine as the F word, or maybe team player as opposed to don't be an asshole. So it's been this, this iterative process that I thought we were going to nail it, but it just continues to evolve. Yeah. And I tell my clients that too, you know, before we do our core values workshop, like I certainly have clients where after, you know, an afternoon we're like, we've hit the Holy Grail, right? It, it just, it was right there. We got it. But other times it takes a marination process and, or taking it back within the organization, which I highly recommend by like going in and talking to the teams and saying, this is what we're thinking. Can we get your feedback on it? Does this sit right well with you? And oftentimes what's happening to you is the normal thing. It comes back and was like, hmm, we need to flip it around. We don't like the negative connotation and look at the opposite of that, but it does take time. And also goes back to doing the core values process yourself, especially as you as a leader of the organization, can be very tricky too, because you can be subtly pushing for what you think the core values are. And so having that facilitator in the room who says, hey, Chris, hold on a second. I want to hear what Stephen has to say or Sonia has to say, because they're kind of squirming in their seats a bit when you said that. And that would not happen if you didn't have that facilitator in the room. And often the core values, the right ones end up being different from the one the owner of the company was either thinking they were or pushing for. Yeah. I think it's a key ingredient to, you know, get the right people on the bus, get the wrong ones off the bus. And like, how do you evaluate an individual's values and if they synergize with your team. And I think when you kind of understand those, you put more weight to those values and you can actually look at those a little bit more objectively. Yeah, I kind of want to jump over to the BHAGs, you know, being a DI driver, when I go to, to think of setting these 10 year goals, it just seems like to put a revenue goal, it just seems crazy. It's 10 years in the future. We're moving so fast. You know, so first, why do you think a BHAG is important? And, you know, what are maybe some alternatives to setting a revenue target for your BHAG? And, and I guess we need to explain what a BHAG is as well. Yeah, so a BHAG is Jim Collins' term from built to last. It, it means big, hairy, audacious goal. And um, Jim Collins, when he was looking at these companies that had gone from good to great, he noticed a common thread, and that was that they all had this long-term vision for the business, right? And I liken it to standing at the foothills of the Himalayas, looking up to the summit of Mount Everest and saying, 
this is where we're going. We don't know how we're going to get there, whether we're going to make it or not, but that's where we're going, right? And Jim Collins had interesting conversations with the leaders after they left the companies and they achieved their goals and said, so come on, let's have, let's have an honest conversation. How, how, how confident were you that you going to hit that goal? And they were like, oh, it was so fuzzy and out there. It was like 50-50, but it just set the direction for the business. We want to build this. We want to get there to that summit. So just think of it like looking around at base camp and saying, hey, who wants to pack on some gear and take this ride with us? Right. It's a directional rally cry. And practically what it does, then it, be- it allows you to then reverse engineer. Right. You can say this is where we're going in the next 10 years. And when we say BHAG, by the way, just to be clear, depending on the industry, it might be five years. But then some companies, their BHAG's 30 years. Maybe it's more, you know, of a traditional, you know, blue collar factory or a plumbing, family plumbing business. And they want to think more generationally, you know. But 10 years is, is the sweet spot, right? It's very fuzzy. We don't know whether we can get there. No one can argue with us whether we're going to achieve it or not. That's also another point, right? But we're just saying, hey, you want to help us get there, right? Strap on the gear and help us get there. When we look at that 10 year, we can then say, okay, what do we need to do in the next three years to get us one step closer to that 10? And everything as we get closer and closer becomes more in focus. And once we've mapped out what that three-year vision for the business looks like, right, we can then say, okay, what do we need to get done in the next year that gets us one step closer to that three, one step closer to that 10, right? What do we do next? We say, what do we need to get done this quarter to get us one step closer to our one, to our three, to our 10, right? So that whole reverse engineer process gets gets very clear. You know, the, the conversation around, using the revenue number, for example, is really contingent on what appeals to the team, right? So a financial services company might be all about having a, a dollar value, you know, assets under management, right? Everybody in that organization understands what that means. So that really feels like a rally cry. You know, you may have a um, commercial real estate company, right? In Texas, I'm in Austin, Texas, right? So you, your first location here is in Austin, and you want to put on there that in 10 years, we're going to have 25 locations all over Texas. That's what the entire organization can understand. They can wrap their head around from, from the leadership team down to, down to the front desk. Everyone understands in 10 years, we're going to have 25 locations, right? So it's really what inspires the team. Other teams would be, you know, more inspired about, you know, be the best place to work in the United States within our industry, or we're the go-to company for news channels to call when they want experts to weigh in on an issue. I see it all over the gambit, but it really is what triggers that excitement, that rally cry for the organization. Yeah, I think, you know, for myself, and and I'm I have to relate this to myself too, in these experiences of setting the BHAG where it seemed to, I couldn't even see the, the mist, right. The, the, the top of the summit. So I had to do one of these other types of BHAGs, you know, to be the Wayne Gretzky of the SEO industry. And I think everyone can see, you know, how he's at the, the pinnacle of his sport. And that was something that everyone can lash around and and try to aspire to right so it's not a it kind of is an aspirational type thing but but it's a goal 
On the face of it, EOS seems like a fairly simple technique to wrap your head around. And with so many books and communities available, it looks as though it should be straightforward to implement too. But from my own experience, I know that rolling out EOS isn't as easy as it looks, which is why I asked James to give us some advice on how you can get started with the entrepreneurial operating system for your law firm. This is a tough one because I feel like as a professional coach, if I'm being completely honest, it's really tough to nail any kind of implementation, no matter what field yourself, if you're a participant while on a learning curve, right? With that being said, you can get a lot of headway by you know reading the books, joining some Facebook groups. You can um, join EOS's base camp. There is very many practical tools, right, that you can do. And just getting everyone in the room together and following it to a T gets you ahead of most people. Most people are not doing this, right? But it is very difficult. I'll say, you know, my ego, myself, I was like, I'm going to do this myself. And I read all the books, watched all the YouTube videos I could, listened to every podcast I could. And while I think maybe we did it, let's say 50% of EOS or maybe even 60 or 70%, that extra percentage, it just rounds out the entire puzzle. I I saw that firsthand, even even though I myself obsessed, read the Traction book probably three times, it was just very refreshing to step in and know that, hey, you know what? I don't actually have to understand this entirely, but my coach does. Yeah, what I love is that these concepts are simple to understand, but you can't confuse that with easy to implement. It is really tough for you as an owner of a company to to read the books and you're gonna be on a learning curve. How I coached my first 10 sessions is completely different from the way I coach now, right? It's just, I've become better at it um, over time. And you're, you're in those very early days it's almost impossible to be the teacher, facilitator, coach in the room and also be a participant. Um, I don't want to dissuade anyone from starting to self-implement. If you start self-implementing, you're way ahead of the competition. But I think a big pitfall to avoid would be thinking that you are going to get to 100%. Dip your toe into this. Go ahead and self-implement. There are going to be some great things. I have effective meetings, follow the L10 agenda, right? Like work on your accountability chart, work on your structure, forget about people, work on the structure of the organization, right? Do these things. You're you're way ahead of the competition. I mean, realistically, nobody is doing this. I live in a world of business operating systems, EOS and, you know, EO, and we talk about this stuff all the time. It's easy to sit here and think that everyone else is doing it. Like the tens of millions of companies in the US, like, a tiny percentage of them actually use these frameworks, right? So revisit hiring a coach on a regular basis in your mind. Bring in somebody to do, you know, an introduction or audit your company. You know, we do like self-implemented days where you can come in and audit. Always leave that door open that there's room for improvement. And then when you find the resources or you're at that right place in your business, that right time, Go ahead and hire the coach because you'll look back and realize, oh my gosh, we didn't have all these things in place. And now that the coach has come in and helped us put the framework in place like it should be, now we realize how much work we really needed to get done. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even for those of you that have read the book too, 
it doesn't have a laid out agenda for every meeting. Yeah, they have a specific agenda for the level 10 meetings, but when you're thinking about your quarterly meeting in the book, I can't recall like an exact meeting and structure or the, the annual meeting. They kind of give some general advice, but in the traction book itself, there's, there's some of those or the exercises in which you select your core values. It's more of like an outline than the deep dive, having someone that's a certified EOS implementer. So I can say that firsthand as well. Couldn't agree more. When Gino wrote the book, it was a manual, like a how-to, and it quickly became apparent that companies needed help. The process needs help. So that's where the coaching's born. I mean, it's born for a reason. Please go ahead and self-implement. You can find the right system for you. Follow some kind of process. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. So I don't want to dissuade people. I guess I'm just saying, keep that door open for the coach. Even if it feels like a stretch for you to bring in somebody, just going to help you achieve your goals faster. You know, and I was looking at a few other of the operating systems. So I was looking at Vern scaling up and his framework. And it just seems for a much larger business, I would say most of the individuals listening are in that, you know, 10 to, I would say mid market size or, or maybe even below that. And when I was looking at Vern's, it was like, geez, this is very technical. And I think the overall, fundamental EOS model is just more simplified and it's easier to adapt. Yeah. I mean, EOS has a beginning, middle end, very practical tools. It's very, like I said, simple to understand, wrap your head around. I'll be remiss if I didn't say, I mean, there, you know, Vern Harnish is a big mentor for Gino Wickman. Like Vern's scaling up is wonderful too. There's, there's other business operating systems out there. You got to find the right one for you and then find the right implementer for you. So I would say for everyone to, you know, take a poke around and, you know, figure out what's right for them. Absolutely. So let, let's look, shift over to the personal. So in 2013, you completed an Ironman with just 11 months of training, you know, or do you have any other personal goals, uh, anything that you're st- working towards right now? Any other yes. Ironmans in the future? <laughs> I'm coming off knee surgery. So I'm making my way back. Um, but I definitely feel the pull to do something, set up a challenge. You know, a couple of years ago with uh, with my mentor, Jack Daly, we did the rim to rim to rim um, crossing the Grand Canyon. I love having those challenges in my life. I need them, to be honest with you. I need that. that I need those reminders of what, what I'm capable of achieving. As I think, you know, the, those are kind of my physical kind of mental uh, resets. But, now, you know, 47 years old right now. I've got an incoming senior um, next year, going off to college, my kids are getting older. And I'm really starting to think about my 10-year window. And a lot of it involves around continuing, improving my great marriage with my wife, who I met in college. And it's about experiences setting up my, my life so I can work from anywhere and ultimately spend maybe half the year in Colorado, right? So my wife and I were thinking about specifically Telluride, Colorado. So those, those are kind of my personal BHAGs now. Like, how am I going to architect my life to get to a point where I can spend uh, half the year in the mountains, as well as meet with these amazing teams. Obviously, remote technology is wonderful, but then also thinking about having amazing clients all over the country that I get to travel to. I, you know, getting to a point where I can kind of pick who I want to work with, uh, which is a great feeling. And what kind of locations would I be interested in traveling to? If you look to my own personal uh, vision traction organizer, 
you'd see a lot of that, right? Working with amazing clients. I know what amazing means for me. So it is a smart rock. And then, yeah, just really having a, um, a wonderful life full of amazing experiences and physically being where I want to be. That's incredible. James, we're going to, we're going to go to our final segment here. It is what we call our three for three. It's just a quick fire round. And so you can go from your gut and I'm just going to shoot these to you. Which habit contributes the most to your success? Just going back to this theme, my continuous investment in continuing education, whether it's getting coaches, whether it's getting in masterminds, I'm in a mastermind with just amazing coaches, like truly feel like the dumbest guy in the room in many ways, like that habit of constantly striving for improvement and actually writing the checks, right? Like skin in the game kind of stuff is, is a habit I've developed. And which entrepreneur do you admire the most? Oh, I mean, certainly, you know, looking at the, the Richard Branson's of the world, you know, risk-taking, like smart risk-taking, just amazing what that guy's done. The teams he's built, the companies he's built, even looking at Elon Musk, I mean, who's just moved to my neighborhood here in Austin, right? Like opening up Tesla mm-hmm. and that guy wakes up every day making decisions through the filter of, uh, does this get me one step closer to colonizing Mars, right? I mean, <laughs> that's just incredible. You know, and I think about uh, Jack Daly, right? Like I saw him speak at my first EO event over 10 years ago, um, full day workshop with Jack Daly. And for those of you who are not familiar with him, he's uh, just this amazing speaker, workshop sales. I hate to use the word guru, but just he's been around the block and he's in 72 years old, he's still running marathons, Ironmans, uh, just an incredible, inspiring person. So it's, again, it's like all these like, characteristics of these people i just admire so much and i try to blend it in and then shove it into my life as much as i can that's incredible that's incredible and uh yeah i, w- I was setting when i was in vistage jack daly came in as a speaker once and he was pretty intense and i still remember some of the things he got on to the to the room about i mean he really commands attention and if he had to recommend one business book which would it be and why and curveball you can't recommend traction here I read a lot of business books, right? But I look for themes that are not necessarily business, but you can incorporate it into your entrepreneurial life, right? So big books that stand out for me, Man's Search for Meaning, right? By Viktor Frankl. Great I mean, it, this is just like, just a different way to look at life and suffering and purpose. And it, it's just one of the best books ever written, I think, you know, a recent book I absolutely love was Bryce Hoffman's uh, American Icon, um, story of Alan Mulally taking over Ford Motor Company. Um, Yes, it's a business book, but just getting inside of Alan Mulally's head as a leader, there are many, many lessons in there. And he has his own framework, the uh, Mulally operating system that is not too far removed from other business operating systems. Um, so it's a great reminder that just come in with a process and follow it, right? There's a book from like the 1940s, uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Start Worrying and Start Living, right? Everyone really knows Dale Carnegie from How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? This book hit the nail on the head, like very tactical ways to s- slow down your anxiety and develop a system to, to sit down with your problems and systematically address them. And then there's um, other psychological persuasion books, I think are very important, like Influenced by Robert Cialdini. Just understanding how the human brain works. If you're, a sa- in re- if you're in sales, you need to understand the power of um, social proof, for example, testimonials and 
So I, I look at not one book. I, I know it's not the quick answer, but it's more of my mental thinking around it. It's like, let's go to copywriting, for example, like the Boron Letters by Gary Halbert, Letters to His Son from Prison, talking about you know life and copywriting and all this great stuff. And it's, it's just like a gem mine. Yeah, those are incredible. And uh, James, it's been such an, a pleasure and honor having you on the show. Where can people go to learn more? Yeah, you can go to uh, jamesashcroft.com or shoot me an email at james at jamesashcroft.com. Happy to chat, help out any way I can. And if you're looking for an implementer, you know, I'm happy to talk to you and point you in the right direction or help you figure out what's best for you. If you want to self-implement, I can send you some resources, whatever you need. I'm happy to do it. There's so much to take away about EOS. And like James says, you might not be able to implement 100% of the framework without a coach, but the elements you do adopt will place you far ahead of the competition. And if you want to learn more about EOS, then you should check out my other interviews on the Rankings Podcast, episode 54 with John Knockazel and episode 59 with Mike Morse of the Mike Morse Law Firm. I'd like to thank James Ashcroft, Certified EOS Implementer, for sharing his story with us. And I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode or have an idea for a future guest whose story you'd love to hear, leave me a review and tell me more. I'll catch you next week with another inspiring story and some SEO tips and tricks, all with page one in mind. <laughs>